1: Everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. I am Ron Kulik, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Ben Helsink. With me, my co host, all the way from East Bridgewater, wherever the hell that is, (laughs) the blonde bombshell herself, and Runway Kerrigan.
2: Woo woo! Well, how are you?
1: Outstanding. Hey, I was just doing that ladies' night thingy with my K-2 meter dancing with me. Yeah, I was (laughs) doing.
2: Doing a little jiving.
1: Yeah, the K-2 is grooving.
2: (laughs) I was bopping along over here myself. It's pretty good.
1: (laughs) Hey, so what's happening there in uh, East uh, Bridgewater?
2: Oh, my God, we're getting ready for Halloween. I just went to the store and stocked up on skeletons and bones and hands. and Oh, it was awesome.
1: Oh, cool. Spider webs. Yeah, whatever. All that crap. Awesome. I, I don't get kids to my house anymore ever since the serial killer accusations against me, but uh, that's, those were proved wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no body parts. Your house? No body parts. No body parts? Oh, well.
1: No, 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 no. I have to be careful.
2: I got hands, feet, bones. They are all half price, too. It's great.
1: <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. Anyway. We uh, we have a couple of events coming up uh, this weekend at uh, Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Episode two of Spectral Evidence is back on. And have you seen mm, that face right. that they, somebody ah. took on the, uh, the that, Internet
2: internet? That picture was amazing. Amazing. Oh, really? Every, everybody has to see this picture. I, I mean, it's I've never seen anything like that before.
1: Well, somebody actually told me today it was a lot of bunk. uh, Really? mm, Yeah, in fact, we're going to have him on the show, so we'll straighten his ass out. Oh, okay, Uh uh-huh. But anyways, uh, yeah, we're doing another one of those. Plus, we're doing Voices of the Dead, which is a spirit communication workshop uh, at the uh, Hawthorne Hotel as well. So that's exciting. And, of course, I'm really excited because next weekend we are at the Inn Magnolia in uh, Gloucester. Nice. And I'm doing my Halloween party, and I'm, like, so psyched because it's going to oh. be a big dinner, and a, and we're doing an investigation of a place that's never been done before. And I tell you, it's cool because I've okay. been here, and, and uh, a midnight seance. But probably the coolest oh. thing at all, and of course, it's dress-up. It's uh, gothic elegant. So uh, Nice. Yeah, we're excited about that. But the, the coolest thing at all is we're actually going to be taping uh, the Time Warp dance, t- <laughs> um, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh,
2: oh, I can't wait to see you doing the time warp, Brian.
1: I can't wait. Yeah, well, you will. <laughs> I'm actually going to play two, several parts in that, so that should be interesting. To Is say that, that a
2: promise or a threat?
1: <laughs> uh, take it any way you want, dear young lady. <laughs> But uh, it is almost sold out. I think we have two tickets left because we're keeping it to a a small, small crowd. Well, not small, small, but a fairly small crowd. So that's that's kind of exciting. So if anybody wants to go, I'm staying overnight there in this haunted uh, place. So that's going to be cool. Very, 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 very cool.
2: Very awesome. If I wasn't having a party of my own, I would be at your party.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what they all say. (laughs) I have never known any woman that wants to hang around with me uh, at night. I can tell you that right now.
2: (laughs) I have no comment on that.
1: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So anyways, uh, we've got a great guest on tonight. We have parapsychologist Cal Cooper, and uh, we're going to bring him on right after another episode of Beyond Bizarre. Six feet
3: lower than most. In 2008, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Lewis and Gerald Garzon, two brothers who owned and operated a funeral home, were found guilty of selling corpses to a black market trafficker of body parts. The gruesome duo admitted to carving up nearly 250 bodies and shipping the parts across the country for various purposes, including dental implants, hip and knee replacements, and other medical procedures. In an elaborate and grisly scheme, the brothers would sell the bodies or body parts to a man named Michael Mastromarino, who ran the company Biomedical Tissue Services. Master Marino would collect bodies from several funeral homes in the New York and New Jersey area. He would send a crew to cut up the bodies and then transport the parts to various biomedical facilities at a hefty price. Tissue from a single body could be sold for as much as $4,000. The selling of bodies for medical purposes itself is not illegal, provided the family and or the deceased have consented and the body has been tested and certified to be free of disease. Most of the bodies sold by the Garzones and Marino were given false names and documentation, received no medical testing, and in some cases had not been stored or refrigerated properly. A terrifying tale of terror from Barla Ventura's Beyond Bazaar. Available now wherever books are sold.
1: Ooh. Now is Yummy. Yeah, you know what? I found out that I'm worth more dead than alive now. <laughs> Without further ado, though, let's bring on our guest. Uh, he is a parapsychologist. That means he's a wicked smart guy, and uh, he's uh, a good friend of uh, that loose woman uh, friend of mine, Nori Miles. So let's bring on Cal Cooper.
4: How you doing, Ron? You all right?
1: I am all right. You know what? That that that's so irritating. <laughs> <What is? laughs> You know, it's so funny, uh, when, when I first got introduced to the, to the Brits, right, you know, they always used to say, like, are you all right? Are you all right? And it's like, why? What's wrong with me? What the hell is wrong with me? Why do they keep asking me if I'm all right?
4: Then I've I realized... That before, like, when I asked, are you okay, you thought... I know,
1: what, what, that's what I, I finally realized. Okay? I'm just asking, was, are, you,
4: are you in good health?
1: Yeah, I know, that's uh-huh. what I finally realized after a while, that it that was it. Was, was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> What well, am I, dying and I don't know it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe okay, they looked at you and school. thought that. I don't
1: know. Yeah, watch it, Anne.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hi, Cal. Welcome.
4: Uh, hi, how are you doing?
2: Very good, thank
1: you. <laughs> yeah, and, and by the way, yeah, and Cal is the one who poo-pooed that picture, by the way. Uh-oh. Uh, yes. Uh-oh.
4: Uh, and Nori Miles did as well. She was the first one to actually have a look at it. uh And she, she said exactly the same thing as I did.
1: Lesley yeah. Is well, she have wasn't pick with, with you. So plus, plus, alcohol was involved, so I wouldn't even talk to her. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, anyways, um, Cal, you are a parapsychologist, which means you went to school for this. I believe, assumed, right? Yes. That's this a good right. thing. You know, there's a lot of people call themselves parapsychologists, and uh, they really they-
4: They do, but um, you've got a lot of people that are involved in investigation teams, and usually you'll get a certain person in an investigation team that is generally labeled the scientific one of the group, who has either took a great interest at college in science and decided to join a paranormal team and then labels themselves as a parapsychologist, Um, But in the UK, most people that are called parapsychologists have actually gone through getting either a degree in sociology, physics or psychology and then specialized in parapsychology for their dissertation, which then took them into postgraduate study and then possibly further into a PhD as well, like um, Kieran O'Keefe did and Dr. Matthew Smith and several other um, academic parapsychologists that have been in the media. But you do get a lot of people that do label themselves as a parapsychologist that don't actually have any academic qualifications in the disciplines such as psychology, sociology, physics, or even now anthropology, as we actually have a branch of anthropology that explores the paranormal as well. So we have (laughs) para-anthropologists. Thank you, Nori. But,
1: you know, Uh, I I don't get this. I mean, like, uh, you know... It's like trying to prove God, so, I mean, why do people get so upset about this ghost thing? I mean, you've got to have some belief and faith in it. Uh, You know, it's not all about mathematics, you know, some of it is faith, and, you know, and to try to label it as a science, it's, it's really not.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, um, when it goes back to when we go back to the 1800s, when spiritualism had a big boom, and there was loads of people reporting sights and sounds of apparitions. Thank you. <laughs> um, in 1882, the Society for Psychical Research began, which was a group of Cambridge scholars, which is namely Edmund Gurney, Henry Sidgwick, and Frederick Myers, which were all philosophers and poets, but they were well-known academics of their time that formed the Society for Psychical Research that decided, hey, there are so many people that are reporting claims of mediumship and also seeing ghosts, apparitions, hauntings. Let's look at this from a scientific perspective. So that was the first kind of stepping stone for education to actually take on the paranormal and try and look at the rational explanations and also try and understand what the paranormal is, if indeed when we rule out the rational, we actually have anything left. And then up until the 1930s, it was all very much field research of hauntings. And then Joseph Banks Rhine took it into the university at Duke University. And that's when um, the term parapsychology was coined by his wife, Louisa Rhine. And that was the start of the kind of academic-based area of parapsychology and the lab research of psychic abilities. And to this day, we now have a nice broad range of parapsychological topics, from the lab-based research on psychic abilities and also the field investigations of hauntings as well. And it's basically trying to look for rational explanations for all these experiences. Are there psychological explanations? Sociological? Can we look at it in terms of physics? And when we've ruled out those rational experiences, what have we got left? Have we got anything paranormal? And if we what does that mean? Can we actually start to understand that?
1: Mm -hmm. So, I mean, do you think that the the science will ever be there to really explain the paranormal?
4: Sorry, I I just noticed a um, comment on the forum that you don't actually have the degrees in the U.S. You do... um, The U.S. was actually a kind of stronger point on parapsychology before the U.K. um, in... It was a few years back now, but um, Edinburgh University used to hold the chair for parapsychology and was the largest um, research centre for parapsychology. However, our main funding bodies are actually the Parapsychology Foundation and the Parapsychological Association, which are both US-based foundations. And also, at Atlantic University, uh, Nancy Zingroni and Carlos Alvador have started up or are starting up a masters of arts in parapsychology as well, so you will have a whole degree dedicated to parapsychology over there as well, whereas many people over here have to major in psychology and just specialise in parapsychology and we do have just one master's degree here as well in parapsychology but there are, if you dig deep, there are quite a few places in um, the US that will specialise in parapsychology and quite a few people that have an interest so there is um, kind of space to get your kind of academic foot in the door over there as well as over here
1: any comment in? That's great. Yeah, I'm trying
2: to keep up. I'm trying to keep up. I'm absorb me. all this information.
1: <laughs> what, what I can't figure out, right? Because parapsychology is basically a new discipline, is who taught the first people to be parapsychologists? I mean, they certainly weren't parapsychologists. They were must have been uh, doctors and other disciplines in. You know, how does that all begin? I mean, in what makes them right? Let's take a look at that way.
4: How did what begin, sorry? I didn't catch that first parapsychology.
1: part. Parapsychology. I mean, how did it really be? I mean, there were no parapsychologists. It, it's really a new field. So somebody came up in, uh, how do, where, where did the first professors come to, that were teaching parapsychology if there was parapsychology before they were professors?
4: Um, well like I say it goes back to the Society of Psychical Research and they were the ones that started to build the stepping stones of exploring the paranormal as a science, but that was all UK-based, the Society for Psychical Research, which is still going strong today, mm-hmm. and that was started in 1882. In 1884, the American Society for Psychical Research formed, and then there were various branches of that, such as the Southern California Society for Psychical Research, which was uh, the president was um, Dr. Liz, uh, Elizabeth McAdams, there was the Boston Society for Psychical Research, the Texas Society, so there were various branches that looked at haunting experiences and psychic abilities, claims of mediumship, and Joseph Banks Ryan and Louisa Ryan, who were the people to coin the term parapsychology, I right. believe they were teachers of biology before they actually got into parapsychology, um, but they were very much uh, members of the SPR and ASPR and interested in looking at the paranormal. So when they got a research post at Duke University, uh, they Tried to get their foot in the door and get a parapsychological laboratory in the psychology department. And if you read Stacey Horn's book, Unbelievable, it goes through their whole kind of struggle of trying to actually get recognition as parapsychologists and there was loads of deans at the university that weren't happy with having a department that was dedicated towards the paranormal. Right. But it was a hard struggle and during the 30s and 40s they succeeded quite well and yeah, even today Joseph Banks Ryan and the work of Loise, are, um, collecting case studies of hauntings and apparitions and Joseph's research on testing psychic abilities in the lab, they're still very famous today because he did them over and over again and he got thousands upon thousands of cases over and over again where he went through trial after trial, and it was fantastic research where he just sat there showing Xenocards after Xenocards, all symbols of wavy lines and triangles, and he went through thousands, and some of the data that he came out with showing high significance is fantastic. Today, we only use computer-based programs to actually kind of test this, Mm -hmm. so he was there really doing the hard work and the grafting, and he kind of kick-started the whole thing for everyone. Um, I think he'd be quite proud of where it's come today with the fact that, again, as I mentioned before. The UK has now, at Coventry University, a Master's of Science in Parapsychology, and now in the US there is the Master's of Arts in Parapsychology at Atlantic University. Mm-hmm. See, so um, that's kind of where it started, it's, it's, and that's where parapsychology kind of kicked off. It was the sci- Society of Psychical Research, and then all it took was Joseph Banks-Rine and Loisa Rine's interest, and they tried to push it into the university, and they succeeded after about 20 years of struggle.
1: And, and then we go from uh, psychic research PK and, and to searching for ghosts and I don't see the the jump and and certainly I don't see the uh, what's the word I'm looking for da, 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 da. I mean you don't have experts in the field and they become experts in the field because the field is brand new I mean it, it it, it's difficult. I mean, what makes them experts? Okay, yeah, I have a discipline. I, I'm, you know, I have a degree in environmental science, which is, you know, uh, the discipline of all the sciences. Yet, uh, am I an expert in the in the paranormal, or, or could I be an expert in the paranormal? I mean, just because I know about this other stuff, I mean, that's I I, I find that interesting. So it's really a developing or verging uh, uh, discipline, I think
4: from that perspective looking at it like that yes you are an expert in the paranormal are you an expert in parapsychology in other words are you an expert of looking at psychological matters and interaction of paranormal experiences or events maybe not from a psychological perspective but in terms of just paranormal alone yes you are considered an expert this is where people kind of get it wrong in terming themselves parapsychology are they suggesting they're an expert in the paranormal are they suggesting they're a psychologist who has expertise in um, paranormal events and activity and what are their possible psychological roots this is the thing Um, so when you're claiming to be a parapsychologist are you claiming to be a psychologist that has expertise in that area or are you just claiming to be a paranormal expert
1: let me ask you this: Is is a parapsychologist a basically a psychologist who is doing uh, it's work in, in the? Uh, uh, let me see how to do this. In animation. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I don't know. It, it's it just it's like, paranormal field. It, well, yeah, it I... is, but it it seems like it's only. Uh, let's look at it this way. Let me ask you this, Cal. You, you, you are uh, a parapsychologist. So what did you have to study to become a parapsychologist? There you go. My,
4: my grounding is in psychology, so I am a psychologist. Okay. My, special, um, my dissertation was based on looking at the sense of being stared at, which looked at possible forms of telepathy. So my background is in parapsychology, and now I'm based at Sheffield Hallam University. I'm looking at um, afterlife beliefs and experiences related to suggestive afterlife, so continuation of consciousness after the biological body dies. So, again, I mainly focus on topics that evolve around parapsychology. Um, and we have other branches here, so, but in my terms, I am a parapsychologist because I'm a psychologist who specialised in the paranormal, At the University of York, we have sociologists who specialize in the paranormal. So we have parasociologists at the University of Bristol. We have anthropologists who are para-anthropologists. And now Jack Hunter has produced, if you search on Google, you should find para-anthropology, the journal of uh, anthropological approaches to the paranormal. Hmm. Um, I've just published in their latest issue, but Jack Hunter, who is a para-anthropologist, he has just started this um, newsletter slash journal off which involves a a nice um, view of um, um, approaches from psychology, anthropology, sociology, and physics. And I believe Cambridge University as well had someone that managed to do a a whole PhD that was based on um, physics and the paranormal. So there we have paraphysics. And um, there is a journal of paraphysics as well. I don't know if it's still going today, but there certainly was one. So we have those four branches. We have psychology, sociology, anthropology, and physics that all... um, try to look at the paranormal and give rational explanations in terms of their field of expertise.
1: So you, as a parapsychologist, look at it more at the psychological end of it, uh, more than the, uh, let's put it this way, the scientific end of the more earth science in there. In other words, you're not looking for, uh, you know, energy fields that are uh, magnetic fields from the, the earth and so forth. You're looking more is it from the concept of the person observing the para. Uh, yeah, I, I
4: do have kind of expertise in um, field investigations and using some of the equipment that look for environmental effects, but my... Um, kind of area should only really I should really focus on psychology and I try to as much as I can we have other people here such as Steve Parsons who has a background and expertise in physics and he is currently um, doing his PhD at Liverpool Hope University which is looking at um, matters looking uh, around infrasound and haunting experiences so he is really the kind of guy to look uh, go uh, to to look at physical explanations and environmental explanations for hauntings and the paranormal. So we have him as our physicist, and then you have people like myself and Kieran, which are the psychologists on him as well.
1: So it's a rather an elite little group that you have.
4: Um, there's kind of a, a little group that's known that are willing to do field research. There are probably around 100 or so parapsychologists in the UK, but I would say that probably only... Four or five of us are involved in investigations of haunting experiences. The rest are all involved in lab research, interviewing techniques, or conducting surveys, mass surveys on um, experiences of apparitions, um, haunting experiences, etc., etc., Um, et cetera, et cetera. um so that there really is only a tiny branch of us that are still willing to do what the Society for Psychical Research set out to do, and that was going to the field. If someone's claimed they've seen a ghost or poltergeist activity in a house, let's go and monitor that house for, a, I don't know, months or maybe a few years and see what kind of activity we can pick up. But using environmental monitoring equipment and also using our expertise of psychology and seeing what environmental factors might be causing haunting experiences in terms of our psychological reaction to the environment
2: right so you're going to come, I call you up and say my house is haunted and you come out to my house no And. <laughs> no. for example for example and, but you're not only going to examine my house for some length of time oh I'm sorry, is that me? sorry um, you're she also me. going to look at me as a parapsychologist um, and, and, and I, kind
4: of analyze I, I, my mental state? <laughs> I think unconsciously I'd be kind of keeping an eye on you, but um, I, I would try and take what you've said and what you've said you've experienced as objectively as possible. And if you said, oh, if you come up to the bathroom upstairs, mm-hmm. there's um, you know an apparition of a man who's frequently stood by the sink in there. And so I, I, I would let you take me through the house and I would kind of approach it as a paranormal investigator. But, again, I would try and, uh, be trying to look for psychological explanations for why that's happening. If right. I can't find any, then I've still got to approach it, uh, approach it as just a paranormal investigator, as I'm sure Ron or yourself would um, anyway. Um, right. So if I stayed for a few days to try and investigate it, then I could also start to build up possibly a psychological profile, not necessarily a view, but a possible psychological explanations that could actually shed light on what's going on. That's all I could really do on an individual case, when we have a mass number of cases and the circumstances in which they occurred, then we can start to categorize them and actually look for psychological correlations for maybe this is what is causing people to experience apparitions in this case. Um, If we go back to what Steve was doing with the infrasound, we found that in certain locations when people do actually enter an area that has low frequency sounds around 20 to 18 hertz, Um, sorry, about 19 to 18 hertz, that fluctuates between the two. It's very subtle sound that you're obviously not going to be able to hear, but it causes a very subtle vibration of objects within that environment. And that, that in turn, has an interaction with the mind. It creates a feeling of depression, a sense of presence. It vibrates objects, but it also vibrates the eyes inside the um, eye socket and creates sometimes a spontaneous smearing of vision. And also EMF levels do this as well. They can interact with the mind and cause you to have a sense of presence or believe that you've seen things. And then we also look for, again, um, uh, visual problems or psychological problems. There's Charles Bonnet syndrome which um, is a spontaneous smearing of vision. And a lot of people that suffer from Charles Bonnet syndrome report seeing apparitions when actually they're not seeing apparitions. It's just they'll blink, they'll see a a possible grey smear, which appears like a a grey shadow, and they'll blink again, and that shadow is gone and they think they've seen an apparition. So we have to look at also um, some forms of visual impairment that people don't actually realise that they've got that are very subtle. It's not something that would affect your eyesight, but it's something that you blink once, you see something, you blink again, and it's gone. And there are so many things to consider. No two cases will ever be the same. You have to judge every single one on its merits. And therefore, if you have these specialists in that are taking psychological considerations in, sociological, anthropological, physical, and the paranormal researchers. If you've got those whole group, that whole group together, then you're kind of winning because you've got all these people to kind of analyze these different areas.
1: Well, we're just gonna have to hold that thought because we have to take a break right now. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles: Next Generation with Ann and Ron. We'll be right back after the following messages on net Ghost Channel Beyond.
3: Welcome to TokiNet, radio with a cutting edge.
1: The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Price. Now this Saturday morning, we're going to count them down one more time from number 40 all the way to number 1 with the official classic hits countdown, the American Rock and Roll Countdown. We'll count down the biggest hits of the 70s with interviews and artist information, news, weather, sports, you name it, we'll have it this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown. Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits
3: walk among us.
1: The witches
3: of Salem, Massachusetts, honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an
1: annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem Witches, Sean Poirier, and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests to step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com. Happy Halloween!
0: <laughs> And
1: we are back with Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Okay. We are back. We are. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, our special guest today is parapsychologist Cal Cooper. And uh, one thing I do want to mention, Cal, is that, uh, you know, I don't consider myself an expert. I don't believe there are really that many experts, if any, in the paranormal. For instance, you take a look at the ghost hunters. If you look at them, they were plumbers by trade, they have experience, and maybe that's why we are, uh, know a little bit more than uh, perhaps another person in the field. But uh, I think it's experience that make you uh, more knowledgeable and, and not necessarily um, uh, you, you, what you are ahead of time. So anyways, <laughs> you still there, Cal? Did I lose you? Cal? Uh-oh. I thought I thought it sounded like somebody. Oh. Okay. So anyways, Cal, uh I I remember last time you were on the show we were going to talk about something and I totally forgot about it. And it's really a cool subject and uh it is something that you have been working on, and it's called telephone calls from the dead. Hello. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes we can. Oh
4: fantastic.
1: Great, you're back. So did you hear what I said at all? No.
4: No, no, uh, please repeat it.
1: Okay. Uh, Last time you were on the show, uh, we didn't get a a particular topic that was near and dear to your heart that you're doing some research on, and that is telephone calls from the dead. So what the heck is a telephone call from the dead?
4: Yes, I'm just on to my third paper on that. I've already published a paper that was um, text messages from the dead in the paranormal review of the Society of Psychical Research, um, which was just a taste of um, a couple of uh, new unusual cases as text messages, a uh, fairly new form of communication. Um, in relation to phone calls from the dead and I've just published the main paper of phone calls from the dead which is my um, new interest in um, this area that hasn't been touched since 1979 when parapsychologist D. Scott Rogo and Raymond Bayless decided to write a book together that was called phone calls from the dead so I've just published um, a paper that updates the whole research in the um, anomaly journal of research into the paranormal which is um, ...published by a group called ASAP, A-S-S-S-A-P, um which is a research team that does training programs as well for paranormal investigators. And anyway, a phone call from the dead is, um, it can be a number of things. Usually if you have lost a friend or family member, you can be grieving and suddenly the telephone closest to you will ring. And you'll pick up the phone and it's none other than the person that you were grieving for and you'll get a couple of words and phrases... And you can say your piece with them and then all of a sudden the line goes dead. You don't even hear the phone go down. It just goes dead. Their voice fades out. In other cases, you'll get a telephone call and you pick up the phone and it's your friend or a close family member. You have a whole conversation with them and the phone goes down. And then afterwards you hear news that the person that you were speaking to only a few minutes ago had died about six or seven hours before the call even took place, and yet oh. there were other people in the room that witnessed you having a phone call. In yeah. other cases, you think, oh, I'm meaning to speak to someone. I, a close friend, I haven't spoken to them in ages. I need to give them a call. You go over to the phone, you pick it up, you dial them, and they answer. You have the conversation you want to and then put the phone down again after you have the conversation you hear news that they died a couple of days beforehand maybe and yet they still answered the phone and you still had a full conversation with them which is very strange and raymond Bayliss and d scott rogo also found that in type five phone calls from the dead intention calls when you intend to make a telephone call but you put it off in some cases the person you were going to call still receives that call at the time you intended to make it and D. Scott Rogo himself even had one of these experiences in the morning he was going to ring UCLA um, and ring the new, uh, Neuropsychiatric Institute to a friend who's a psychologist there but instead he decided to spend the afternoon on his couch um, proofreading some from books and marking papers and then he got a telephone call and he went and answered the phone and it was the personal psychologist Replying to this message that.
1: We're losing you, Cal. Cal? Cal? Oh, no. Oh, no. Evidently, the dead don't want us to talk to Cal. Oh, wow. <laughs> They don't want to know. <laughs>
2: wow. Wow. That's... Hello? Hello? Are you back? Cal?
1: You know what? Every time we we try to have this conversation about telephone calls from the dead, we uh, get cut off. It doesn't isn't, happen. Isn't that how bizarre man? is that?
2: Yes, uh, very very convenient, huh? Mm. Mm. Coincidence? I, y- I think not. You know, it's funny because um, I've had a conversation similar to this with Mike Markowitz, who does the EVPs. Right. And he actually has EVPs recorded. He was kind of mentally projecting, you know, that he would like somebody to contact him on his phone, and he not happen Hello. Are you there,
1: Cal? No. no. Hello. 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 Okay, this is boring. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, wait till he talks then. But anyways, go ahead. You and so you were saying?
2: Yeah. So Mike has actually on two occasions, and he was at work.
4: And so. Just going back on something that's on the forum. Leslie wants to know where you can get a photo authenticated. You can get it authenticated at Kodak. If you go to Kodak, you can get a photo authenticated.
1: Or, as we say in the U.S., Kodak. Mm. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Uh, this be one. You, if you go online google it you should uh, be able to get any information you want or send the photo away and get all authenticated so, so are you
1: back with among the living with us uh, Cal or are you still on the telephones with the dead
4: oh no So I was just replying to a forum thing but yes Um, did you get what I said about intention calls
1: uh, we, we, we kind of lost you at the end there so uh, right. um, well um,
4: D Scott Rogo was on his couch and after he'd intended to make a call he decided to do something else And while he was on his couch, he got a telephone call, decided to pick it up, and it was the personal assistant of the person that he intended to ring. And they said, you left a message this morning leaving your name, your number, and um, contact information regarding a certain conversation that you wanted to carry out with a psychologist we have here, which was one of D. Scott Rogo's friends. And he was absolutely shocked and confused because he had intended to make the call, but never did. And then Raymond Bayless and Andy Scott, Rogo decided to collect some more of these cases, and found that there were some cases where not only a message was left, but a full conversation still took place while a person that had intended to make a call, uh, intended to make a call went and did something else instead. But for the person they intended to call, they still picked up the phone and heard them carry out a whole conversation. Um, which it, it kind of um, it, it kind of looks a bit on chaos theory and the whole. Any action you create creates a whole new train of events. So whether you say yes or no to a decision, if you say yes, it creates a whole train of events. If you create no, it creates a whole train of events. If you intend to make a call and then put it off for the person you were going to call, they might briefly still experience part of what you were going to do, which is very unusual in these cases, which I find interesting. One of the cases that I got um, recently... Um, There was um, a lady in Nottinghamshire. She hadn't um, spoken to a lot of her family in years since she was a little girl because she was um, adopted um, due to her mother passing away. And uh, she was trying to get hold of some cousins and she managed to track one down. And uh, one morning her cousin phoned her and it was the first time they'd ever spoken over the phone and they had a massive conversation about family history and all sorts and remembering each other as little girls. And then that evening when she was in bed with her husband... She got a missed call on the telephone, oh she got a call on the telephone, but when she picked it up she didn 't answer it in time, so she did one four seven one which here gives us um, the number that had just called and it sounded familiar, but they weren 't sure who it was because they often get a mistaken phone number from a pizza delivery company so she went downstairs and checked the number in her phone book, and it was the number of a cousin who she 'd just been speaking to that for the very first time that morning. So she called her cousin back, and this must have been about one in the morning, and she said, I've just got a missed call from you, and my husband saw me get up and try and answer the telephone as well. Is everything okay? And she said, I haven't called you, but for the past few hours, I've just been writing a seven-page account of family history for you, so I've been thinking about you. So maybe just the thought of her thinking about her... And writing through all this family history made the telephone ring. There was that need for conversation, which relates to Rupert Sheldrake's research on telephone telepathy. Um, It's it's not a telephone call from the dead, but it's certainly an aspect of telephone phenomena, which is very unusual.
1: So let let me ask you that, carrying carrying right on that same line, isn't that what a curse is? That you wish harm to a person, and then perhaps your wishing can actually harm a person.
4: I, I wouldn't say that was actually a case of harm, though. I, I, I don't think there was anything at all negative. about No,
1: but that. it, it well, well, what's the difference between negative and positive? They're both they're both emotions. What's the difference between love and hate? They're both emotions. Um
4: but um one has a negative effect and another one has a positive you have a um love has a very positive effect on you it, it promotes positive emotions that are very kind of self-centered the the kind of needs that we must have and then if you have a negative emotion they're, they're kind of um aggressive and um they're not self-centered they kind of focus on other people and uh if you I'm, I'm wondering what I'm getting at, but the kind of uh, reach out, you can kind of tell the difference between the two, but I suppose they are different from a, a curse, because in that case, one person was thinking about another, and the telephone rang in a possible um, way of trying to contact them, so to speak. And I, I would consider that a positive thing, um,
1: Yeah, but I I don't see the difference between positive and negative. If you're certainly saying that we can create positive situations, then why couldn't we create negative situations?
4: I suppose we could, but that's um, if we look at psychokinesis, and if psychokinesis, just the ability to think about the environment and have an effect on the environment, um, if that is real, I suppose we could create a negative situation if we wanted to. Um, inflict harm on someone and psychokinesis, I suppose that's possible, but equally if we wanted goods to come to someone I suppose that's possible, but also I think that starts to clash with also luck as well and But, good but and isn't that what
1: witchcraft
4: is? I, I've never really delved into witchcraft again, I've got to like um, hold back and say that I'm looking at this from a psychological perspective so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be looking at anything involving folklore or witchcraft or um, magic uh, from a psychological perspective, and as a psychologist, I would just say that they are just kind of superstitious beliefs and they don't really hold any objective basis. They are just very subjective matters, from my point of view, anyway.
1: Oh, I see. I, I see. I don't see that because uh, just because they're uh, looked at as superstition, uh, oh. why are they any different than? Uh, the ones that you feel have no superstition uh, associated with them. In other words, the, uh, the vehicle is the same, except one is associated with superstition and one isn't. So, for instance, if you do a spell, which is, a, is an intent, uh, isn't that the same as an intent to make a phone call? Well, a
4: phone call is different because you've actually got the objective phenomena there. You've actually got the... There's no psychological element um, involved in the fact of the telephone ringing. That's a paraphysical element. Um, whether it's from the dead or from a living intention, the telephone has rung. With regards to spells and curses and if you wish something bad to happen to someone, is it chance coincidence that they were going to end up in a bad situation anyway? Or is it the fact that you have wished something bad on them has actually happened? You can only take that from a subjective perspective, because it's only your kind of, oh, I was hoping something bad would happen to them, and it did. There is no way of kind of proving that. If you say, oh, I would like to ring someone, but I'm not going to, yet their telephone rings with your number, we have objective evidence of that actually happening. But, um, at this point, I'd, I'd like to kind of like. Um, uh, I can discuss this later Ron, on a later show slide more phone calls from there, but in this point, I would like to bring in Nori Miles, Richard Mott, and Denise Mott as well, if I can again from the previous oh,
1: show. Oh, they're still there? Yeah, they're still here, so I'll bring <laughs> them Oh, in my God. were they running out of wine? Is that what it is? Uh-oh. Uh oh. Oh, no, there's plenty more.
5: Hi, Ron. I wanted to talk about the Magnolian to everybody. What happened to me when I was there, when I stayed with Kieran?
1: Oh, what happened there?
5: Well, when we were staying there, I was out in the um, backyard and I was calling Cal up to see how he was. And I looked over towards the house and I saw a man standing there with a, like dark trousers, waistcoat, white shirt, little black tie thing. And I described him, um, not to the owner, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm very bad with names, you know, um, but her friend that was staying there. I think, was it James that was staying there? What, um, what is it? I'm sorry. No, oh,
1: James.
5: Anyway, was, uh,
1: yeah, I, uh, I can't remember his name. You're asking yeah, I think the wrong it's,
5: guy. I think it's James, wasn't it? Or something. Yeah. And anyway, I, described Jamie, what Jamie. I saw. Yeah, and where I saw, and he said, "Oh my goodness me!" He said, "In the office, there is a picture exactly what you have just described of a oh. man standing exactly where you had said." Wow, I, and that was quite spooky. But That's that crazy. wasn't that wasn't the end of it. When me and Kieran got um, changed from our room from the new block to the old block, and. Uh, We were upstairs in our room, and I went into the um, bathroom. And when I was in the bathroom, I came out because Kim went downstairs to play the piano. All the lights were turned out. And I thought, what the hell? But it wasn't Kieran. Kieran said, no, I so not did turn those lights down. Anyway, I told the owner of the inn what had happened to me. She goes, that is very freaky. Because the night before, the people that stayed in that room, she had come out of the bathroom to find exactly the same thing. The lights in her bedroom had been turned off.
2: Wow. Was there some kind of
5: history to that room? Well, I, I don't know. We didn't know that, you know. It's just its so spooky that the night before the same thing happened. Right. You know, and it's not the electrics. They've had the electrics uh, checked and things like that. But it, the the place is very spooky. It, you go in there and you think, oh, my God, it's so calm, lovely and beautiful there. And you, you, you don't have no sort of feeling or sense of spirit. But then something comes along and it just bites you on the bum. <laughs> <laughs> which is great and it's a fabulous place to go to for Halloween, I solely recommend it can uh, I just say um, to Viking who is time in the chat room Nori is definitely not eating eggs she may oh, be she... having a glass of wine but she's not
2: drinking, I mean not eating eggs
1: <laughs> she's not an egg sucker that's good <laughs> <laughs>
6: guys, Ew,
2: thank god <laughs> hey,
6: guys, so, so what have you got planned for Halloween this year are uh, you talking to us? Yeah. What well, you got? What, what so have you got? Magnolia. The magnolia.
5: Magnolia. Oh, All right.
6: Okay. Okay. Have some more
5: wine. It's an amazing.
1: Place. <laughs> just kidding, guys. Also with uh, Nori is uh, Richard and Denise Smart from uh, Compass Paranormal. Hi.
2: Hello. <laughs> wow. I was just parting with those guys. <laughs>
1: Well, you should have been. Uh, we, we did we did it. And on that note, why why they they are here is because at uh, five o'clock, an hour uh, previous to this, uh, we did a special show uh, to raise money for the uh, Keith Bennett. Uh, appeal, and you can still donate if you'd like to. Keith Bennett was a, a child that was killed uh, by a serial murderer in the Moors in the UK, and they're trying to recover his body, and if you go to his uh, website, his mother is still alive of course, uh, which is uh, searching for com. You, you can donate through PayPal and uh, we would appreciate it.
5: Uh, Ron, can I ask a quick question please?
1: Sure, absolutely.
5: Um, someone put a uh, comment in in the forum, which we know all know who it is, but I'm not going to say no names. (laughs) Saying is about what is everyone eating. And it's it's saying, I swore her eating egg and then drinking wine. Uh Uh-huh. Now, now, can we have some explanation for that? Can I put some more information up so we can understand what they're trying to say?
2: Sure.
1: Sure.
5: <laughs> I don't suck no eggs, that's for sure
1: uh-huh. it's, it, You know, it's just the Viking And he drinks a lot So who yeah, knows yeah. what he thinking.
5: The Viking knows I used to be the producer of your show on Tuesday nights And I never used to suck eggs And drink wine then
1: Well, not that I know of But uh-huh. maybe he knows something I don't
5: yeah, He's having a laugh anyway
1: <laughs> Yes, he did Someone
5: tickling his fancy <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did and Norrie, where will you be spending Halloween this year, my love?
5: Where am I spending Halloween? I'm spending Halloween with Dr. Kieran O'Keefe and Cal Cooper and Compass Paranormal. And Brian Shepard!
4: Yay! Yay!
5: Yay!
1: <laughs> where?
5: Um, we, we, there's lots of things going on over Halloween.
4: It'll be in Portsmouth, the south coast of the UK. Yeah.
5: We, no, we've actually got, well, we've got six events over the um, Halloween weekend, so we're going to be really, really busy. We've, we've split the team into two, so we've got one team that's doing the south of England and one team doing the north of England. And unfortunately, poor old niece is doing the north of England, and we want her down south. I know, I know,
1: I'll have to do what I can do,
4: Noreen. We want her fiddling with the bottom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not touching that one. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah,
5: let our husband fidd- fiddle with the north. <laughs>
6: yeah. I'm happy fiddling with the south. Let me tell you.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, he should be fiddling in the north. No comment there, though.
6: <laughs> Guys, well, it- this 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 coming Halloween, um, Compass Paranormal are very busy. We've got everybody with us. We've got Brian Shepherd, Barry, John, Norrie, Cal, Kieran. Um, You know, everybody who's anybody in the UK, in the paranormal world, is working with us. And, you know, we're going to give our guests now, uh, all the public that's going to be attending events with us, they'll be having the best time possible. Um, We've hand-chosen... It's taken us 12 months to choose the events and the locations that we're going to be visiting this year. And, um, you know, we're really pleased to have... uh, Secured those locations, and um, you know we're we're really looking forward to doing a six, seven, eight-hour event there, and looking into what we can find. If there's anything paranormal there, we will find it. You know, and, and Brian Shepherd, Barry, uh, Ross Bartlett, you know all the, all the guys, Kieran, uh, I'm Cal, Cal, <laughs> uh, everybody. It's going to be a great weekend for the UK and, uh, you know, we've only got eight days to go and we're really looking forward to it. There you go.
1: On that note, we have to take a break right now and uh, we'll be right back in a minute.
0: Hello, I'm Dr. Kieran O'Keefe and I'm here to talk to you about ghost tech. Those high-tech gadgets you use in a haunted location to measure the environment. This tip is about temperature. Frequently, you find in a ghost hunter's kit the laser thermometer and too often I see this used incorrectly when you point it at a surface a laser appears on the surface whether it's the floor or the table or even people's skin or clothes but remember guys what you're actually measuring is the surface temperature so when people report a cold spot don't think that you can measure that cold spot with the laser thermometer you can't The laser essentially shoots straight through that suspected cold spot. If you do want to measure it and you've got a particular form of laser thermometer, what I do suggest is getting hold of something called a thermocouple. A lot of laser thermometers have the sockets on their handle, which means you can attach a laser thermometer and you can actually be measuring the air temperature as well as the surface temperature with the laser.
1: Well, that was doctor Karen Keith. Thank you very much for your words of wisdom, Mr. Parapsychologist. So, right back to the game, and we are just about running out of time here. So, uh, Cal, anything, any closing moments you want to say, anything particular?
4: Um, just um, thank you very much for having me on. Um, I'll be I'm delighted if you do want me back to um, talk further about any specific cases of phone calls from the dead as they keep on piling in at the moment and I'm writing up a, a third set of different accounts on text messages and phone calls from the dead at the moment um, I'm very pleased with the show and the work that you're doing but thank you very much for letting me talk about um, academic interest and what's going on in the kind of academic world paranormal, and also the other side, the paranormal investigators thank you very much
1: well, we we're not gone yet, so don't uh, just want to make sure you didn't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have any questions before uh we, we hit the road on this thing as well?
2: Well, you know, I'm just wondering, um, how was your event today? Um, your UK event with the um the people calling in for the loose women? How did that go?
4: I think oh. Laurie Miles is the best to comment on that. Hi Laurie.
2: Yeah. Hello Hi, yeah.
5: How are you? Hi. I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing? I'm great. I think, I think we're going into competition here because Ron says you're the blonde bombshell from the other side of the pond. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> we have competition we now because I'm, I'm the right. blonde bombshell in the UK. Well,
2: then we're both in good company, aren't we? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're like Toby jugs,
5: a pair of Toby jugs. <laughs> did you say jugs?
2: No <laughs> Sounded like she that said,
4: she, she, she said drugs.
2: I said
5: Toby jugs wrong You just got to Oh my god
4: <laughs> Babylon
2: Any, Anyway. <laughs> so how did your event go today With the people calling in And asking you anything That they could ask you anything
5: but it, it, it wasn't like an event it was like a, a group of people getting together to like talk about different things to sort of raise some money um, I, I don't have the figures the money that was raised, raised this evening but obviously perhaps I can let Ron know for the next show next week mm-hmm. and let everybody know, but um, oh, obviously, we, we might have raised a few pounds, maybe <laughs>
1: <laughs> a few pence, anyways.
5: Well, well I hope so. wait for people to talk to us. <laughs>
1: but the, the interesting thing is, is we are going to do it again, right?
5: Nori? Totally, totally. Unfortunately, like Sam and Gary Brown, they couldn't be here tonight, you know, to host the show Loose Women. And you know, we we, we send it all our love and hugs out to them. And we can't wait to do the, the 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 show that's been scheduled to do with them. Um, but it, it you know it's a shame it just didn't happen tonight. But hopefully you know in the near future we're looking forward to do them, um, do the show again with them.
1: Well, we want to thank you guys so much for uh, coming on. And uh, if uh, you listened to that show, you would have realized that Nori and I are working on something that we hope will be. Uh, Really great, and it'll be yeah.
5: September ne- next. Ron, can I, can I set, put some web, web addresses out there, please, baby? Oh, please do. Yeah, um, can we go? Like, the uh, first one is for Cal. Is uh, his website is www.calcooper, That's c o w p e r. dot com, and then we have dot co. dot uk. Okay, very good.
1: And 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 guys, if if you want, you certainly can. Uh, link the sites. Uh, we'll put them on ours. Uh, if you contact my webmaster, I don't do my website, but uh, she will definitely do a link exchange with, with both of you. So she'll be happy to do that, and uh, we'll, that way we'll have presence on both sides of the uh, pond for everyone.
2: That's
5: brilliant, Ron. and I so look forward to uh, creating this massive event with you next year, which is top secret as we know.
1: <laughs> yeah, we just it, we just want to talk about it, but we can't. <laughs>
5: Exactly. Let's tease the public.
1: <laughs> exactly. Oh, I know about
4: it. I know about it. I can do a bit of teasing and tickling.
5: He doesn't. He's just teasing you, Ron. He thinks she does, but he knows nothing. Ron, I do know, I do.
1: You Don't believe him. Don't believe her you know, Don't what, believe you know,
5: us women we always take control. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, nothing's worse than the scorn of a woman, so I just agree whatever they say. This is true. Exactly. Right.
2: You are a wise man then.
1: <laughs> I am wise beyond my ears. <laughs>
2: Anyway,
5: it's lovely talking to you all, etc. And have a wonderful evening. And have a great Halloween. Great Halloween
1: and, of course, All Souls Day.
5: We will do, I can promise you. We'll let you know after Halloween. We'll have a good old chit-chat again and let you know how it all went.
1: Okay. So time to say goodnight to everyone and uh great job. Uh did you I don't know if you spoke, but I'm sure you did somewhere along the line. Little. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening. Good night so, all. Till next week, uh which we oh great show next week. We have who do we have on in? Penny Dreadful. Penny Dreadful, tune in. Don't miss it. Good night. God bless. God bless. Good night.